Juliet Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 204 of Dogcast Radio. If you didn't discover us via our website, dogcastradio.com, it's well worth a visit because you'll find all 200 plus podcasts there, along with articles, book reviews, photos, news and our blog. Coming up, we have an informative, practical, really helpful interview with Rachel Rogers from Dogs Trust Dog School. They are a really great way of giving your dog an activity to keep them busy and just a different way of feeding them because actually feeding dogs out of a bowl is a bit boring. And we have the Dogcast Radio News. When Cardiff City footballer Emiliano Sala died in a plane crash, it wasn't only his human family who mourned him. His sister posted a touching photo of his dog Nala sitting waiting at the front door with the caption, Nala is waiting for you too. But before all that, do you fancy taking your dog with you on a fantastic holiday this year? Well, here's the man with all the information you need. Today I'm talking to David Blank, who created... Happy Tales Canine Adventure Tours. Hi, David. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having us. Good. Thank you for being here. Now, you've, you've spent a, a life with dogs. Well, you spent sort of a life with dogs and a life creating adventures and tour, tours for people, haven't you? So you, to put the two together must be fantastic. Yeah, it really is a culmination of like all my professional experience and, you know, even just my, my passions. Yes. Yeah. They say, don't they, if you do something you're passionate about and you love as a job, you actually won't work a day because you enjoy it. And that's that's the trick, isn't it? Well, it is, although we're spending a lot of time on the computer as we launch the company. So that's that's the part that's yes. uh, more of a work thing. <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I know where you're coming from. Yeah, I know. Although, you know, you get to sit down at a cup of coffee. So, you know, it's not all bad. But um, exactly. So it sounds really fascinating. So, I mean, I ought to say you have been um, a professional dog trainer for, for 27 years. No, is it? No, you've been doing the holidays for 27 years and you, you are a professional dog trainer. Have I got that right, the right way around? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I started as an adventure tour guide and operator uh, 27 years ago. And then I was living in Panama for seven years from 2007 till 2014 and I had two Australian cattle dogs mm, and yeah. they're, they're working dogs. They're not really great as pets. Mm-hmm. And somebody saw me walking around Panama city with my two cattle dogs and they were so well behaved because they'd spent so many years traveling with me and they, somebody got the bright idea that they would get some and breed them and sell them. And oh, so yeah. they yeah. started doing that. And within about a year, I had four, three or four people come up to me in different parks in the city and essentially offer to give me their cattle dogs because they could not handle them. Yes. Yeah. And, like you say, a working dog, they need a job, don't they? They're high. You know, they've got a lot of physical energy. They've got a lot of mental intelligence. They're, they're a high demand dog, aren't they? Yeah, they really need to be stimulated all the time there. Um, and so they just really need clarity. And that is something that people who are looking most of the time for just a regular old pet dog uh, don't understand, don't know how to do it. And they don't really get into getting a pet dog because they want that. And so what happened is uh, as much as I love cattle dogs, I couldn't have six of them. So I started training these people on how to train their dogs. And from there, I got into training and started studying it and studied with uh, four different trainers in the United States doing internships and and, uh, spending time with them. And that's kind of my experience training. And I did do some dog training down in Latin America as well as in the States. But my passion is really the travel and getting people out with their dogs to be able to deepen the bond that they have with their dogs that comes from traveling together and being together 24 hours a day. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing like spending that time with your dog and you become a team. And then when you're both pulling in the same direction, you know, when it does, it's not, you know, it's horrible when it's sort of, my dog won't do this and I want him to walk nice and he won't or whatever it is. And you don't feel like a team. That's awful. So when you can spend that time together and become a team, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It is. And, you know, uh, I got my first cattle dog when I was, I think it was back in 2000. And I had got him out of a pound. He had been there for three months. Um, that's what we call like a, uh, 
kind of a rescue here yes. in the U.S. Yeah. And yeah. he had been there for about three months. He was found on the street. Somebody had taken him home for a couple of weeks, and then he got aggressive with them because they'd never told him what to do. And then suddenly he started chasing their cats. And when they reprimanded him, he suddenly was growling at them and saying, well, wait a minute, you let me be in charge. And now you want to be in charge. I'm not okay with that. Mm. Uh, so they had brought him back. So anyways, I found out about him and knew I wanted a cattle dog. I adopted him. And uh, a couple weeks later, I put him on the back of a motorcycle and we spent a year traveling around North America. Mm. And Really quickly, within a couple of weeks, we just had this fantastic bond, and that led to an amazing 13-year relationship together. Yeah. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's really special. Yeah. So we want other people to have that same opportunity, and we know it, it just happens much more quickly and much more deeply when you're out, you know, really with them rather than walking them twice a day, paying a little bit of fetch in the park, taking him for a hike on the weekends or uh, taking him down to the the microbrewery or the pub, uh, you know, on the yes. weekends. It's a whole different kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess, you know, if we're going to say where did Happy Tales come from, it actually came from your love of dogs and your understanding of that sort of human and dog bond, didn't it? Yeah, Really, you know, I, I moved to Panama in 2007 and I opened up a tour company down there. And um, by that at that point, I had two dogs. And then another year later, a couple of years later, uh, I had met my wife and then I, we found another dog. And so we had three of them. I took all the three of these dogs on all of our tours. Hmm. We spent a lot of time out in the jungle uh, visiting different indigenous villages in remote parts of Panama and the dogs, everybody loved it. They just, the only complaint that we would get was, well, this isn't fair. I want to bring my dog on vacation <laughs> with me too. Yeah, so, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really where it came from. Like, hey, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Let's give every, everybody the opportunity to get out and explore the world with their dog. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And I mean, obviously, so the people are having a brilliant time. How do you find the dogs react? And I'm, I'm thinking that maybe some of the dogs are quite used to city life. So, you know, how are they, how are they taking to sort of being out in, in the wild? Well, so far, everybody, all the dogs are having a fantastic time. Yeah. They get yeah. out, they explore their, uh, you know, their, their natural instinct to get out and to be sniffing everything and running around and exploring and checking out new things really takes over. Yeah. And they seem to have a wonderful time. They're exhausted. <laughs> There's so much stimulation mentally and physically uh, throughout the day that the dogs are just they're wiped out after a few hours. And that's great because in the end, they're they get along much better. You know, we, we don't have too many problems with the dogs. They really enjoy being out there. Uh, you know, they travel with their owner uh, by their side in the bus or in the van or whatever transportation we're using. Um, you know, we take them out kayaking and paddle boarding and a lot of people will show up with their dog and they'll say, well, my, my dog's doesn't, my dog's never been in the water. My dog's never been in a kayak. It's never been in a boat. Is it going to be okay? And what we've really found is, um, we only ever had a problem with one dog. Hmm. And that's because he was so happy to be swimming that he wouldn't stay in the kayak. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> so, so he was, was, yeah, he was having a better time. He found his own. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. We were doing a full moon kayaking trip um, on a river and we were paddling up the river and there was probably about 10 people and I was in the lead and uh, one of my guides was at the rear and we got up to a, a small creek, a tributary that we were going to go up and paddle up in the full moon. And we didn't use any lights or anything. We just had uh, the light of the moon to guide our way. And uh, so we stopped as we were going into this creek and I looked around. And I said, wait a minute, we're short one guide and two passengers here. And so I paddled back about a mile down river and I found them. I said, well, what's going on? And everything okay? And they said, yeah, everything's great. It's just we, we can't keep the dog in the kayak and he can't swim as fast as us. So Aww. 
you know, they took their time and we always make sure that we have enough guides on the trip that everybody is going to get taken care of and everybody's particular needs will be met. And uh, so they took their time and they caught up to us and they had a wonderful trip and everybody else had a wonderful time that evening too. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. So instead of just saying, get in the boat and stay in the boat, you know, you can accommodate that and the dog can have a wonderful time as well. I love that. That's great. Saying that, what kind of dogs can take part? Can any dog come? And I'm thinking there about sort of the size, age, fitness maybe, and even what level of training. Is, is there anything there that they sort of need to meet, any requirements they need to meet? Well, we do have people fill out an application before the tour so that we can discuss their dog and their dog's training. Um, the main thing for us is that the dog is trained and behaves well enough that it's, number one, not aggressive with other dogs, um, not not reactive to dogs or people, um, not food reactive because, you know, we don't want somebody giving their dog a treat and another dog getting, getting reactive around food. So we just really, it's important for us that the dogs are safe and the people are safe. Every dog doesn't have to be perfect. We don't expect that. We definitely, uh, need dogs that can sit down when they're told, uh, because the dogs go with, with us to restaurants. You know, we usually are sitting outside uh, on a patio, but the dogs need to be able to sit down and relax. And that's really not that hard because no, the no. pups are usually exhausted anyway. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, we definitely need to have dogs that, that can lay down while we're eating and relax. And as far as size, uh, there are some limitations on size with some of the hotels that we go to. Uh, unfortunately, we can't have huge dogs on all the tours. You know, we definitely like, for example, a Great Dane, uh, might not be able to go on all of our tours and it's not because of us. It's because of some of the restrictions of some of our suppliers. Mm. Um, but other than that, we don't restrict size. Some of our tours, you know, people with dogs, uh, that like pugs, French bulldogs, or any of the type of short nosed dogs, it may not be appropriate for them to be on certain tours at certain times of the year when it's hotter out because we don't want anybody to, you know, not be able to breathe and overheat. But we definitely create a variety of possibility on the tour for people, for example, with hiking. So if a person and or a dog is not uh, fit enough to go for a five-mile hike, that's okay. They can. There's always an option that's short and easy or they can hang back and just relax and play with their dog or see something local. Yeah, um, yeah, and then yeah. we have the options to do something you know, a little bit more strenuous for those that want to do that. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds great. And I like the fact that you do, you know, safety is important to you. Although it's, you know, relaxed and you can meet people's needs. And as we've seen with a dog that wanted to swim, you know, you can, you can accommodate that. But, you know, you, you do keep the dogs and the people's safety very much at the forefront, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the number one thing. We want everybody to have a good time and, and nobody's going to have a good time if, if somebody gets hurt. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. So tell me about, because you've got some special holidays coming up in uh, vacations, coming up in, in 2019, haven't you? So because you've got um, Happy Tales Peaceful Paws. So tell me about that. Yeah, that's a great tour. That's coming up in May. Um, and in fact, we've just put out a special for that. Uh, we've got uh, a discount of $500 off for people that uh, book early before the end of February. Um, and that tour is, it's eight days. It starts and ends in Las Vegas, and we're going to go from uh, Las Vegas to the Grand Canyon, uh, spend the night at the Grand Canyon, and have an opportunity to go do some hiking along the rim and really check that out. Then we'll go to Lake Powell, which is in the border of Arizona and Utah, and we'll do hiking, and we'll do a boat trip in Lake Powell and explore this beautiful lake. And then spend some time on the beach with the dogs, having a picnic lunch, letting the dogs run and swim and play, and maybe we'll do a little bit of paddling. And then from there, we head to Monument Valley uh, in Arizona, Utah, border up in the Navajo Nation. And there we'll be doing a Jeep tour with the dogs. And we will also be having a dinner with the Navajo. So that's going to be a really great cultural evening. Mm -hmm. And from there, we head up to Moab, Utah, where Arches National Park and Canyonlands National Parks are. 
And we have a few stops along the way to check out some of the amazing views like Dead Horse Point. And then uh, after visiting Arches National Park, uh, there's some limitations there. We can do a little bit of walking with the dogs, but the parks do have limitations as to where the dogs can go. But then we're going to go on a fantastic boat trip on the Colorado River where we'll get to go into some of the really beautiful Red Rock Canyons that the Colorado River passes through and do a really fantastic barbecue dinner along the river itself on one of the beaches that night. Uh, and then people have a free day the next day. They can join us on one of our guided hikes in a dog-friendly uh, state park, or they can go rafting or kayaking with their dog. We've got companies that are dog-friendly that'll take people out with their dogs to do those activities. Or they can just hang out in Moab and be, be a tourist and check out the shops and have some lunch and visit the different areas in town. So a lot of, a lot of flexibility there. And then from there, we're going to head to a place called Goblin Valley State Park, which is a, a very beautiful state park that's really dog friendly and has some fantastic geologic formations. And uh, after that, we head to Bryce National Park. We'll spend a night near Bryce at a great kind of old famous traditional inn called Ruby's Inn. And we'll get to see Bryce uh, at sunset. It's an absolutely gorgeous park and do some hiking along the rim. And then the next day we head out uh, to Zion National Park, do some hiking there. And then that evening head back to Vegas at the end of our trip. Mm, excellent. Worn out, <laughs> but happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's just the tour part of it, the traveling part. Then the other part is uh, the reason that this particular tour is called the Peaceful Pause is because we have a special VIP guest host. And her name is Amanda Ree, and Amanda has a company called Sama Dog, which is focused on well-being for you and your dog. And Amanda is a Ayurvedic uh, teacher and healer, and she trained with and has been with working with as the lead educator at the Chopra Center in San Diego with Deepak Chopra. And so she's uh, she's been there now 15 years uh, before she started her own company, and she still works with uh, Deepak Chopra. And we'll be doing daily morning optional meditation and yoga with the dogs. She'll be doing private consultations about uh, with everybody about their dog and their dog's special needs based on breed uh, and energy and what the dogs need as far as exercise and diet and nutrition, things like that. So that's going to be really exciting. It's going to be a great tour and people are really, we got a few seats left for that. So we're promoting that right now. And it's just going to be a great opportunity for people to get out and really deepen their relationship with their dog in multiple ways. Yes, yeah. Because I mean, there's there's nothing like you get away from it all. You don't have the pressures of home, but to have your dog there and all these fantastic things to do, and and to actually you know have help focusing on what you need to do with your dog to you know make life happy and healthy as possible. That, it's just perfect, isn't it? it? Sounds great. Yeah, we 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 call it the ultimate dog lovers adventure because it's a totally safe, hassle free, all inclusive adventure with your dog. Yeah. Uh, the, the price includes all of the hotels, all of the pet fees, all the ground transportation throughout the tour. It includes the activities like the boat trip in Lake Powell, the boat trip in the Colorado River and the Jeep tour and the dinners. Um, it includes m all the breakfast, most of the lunches and some of the dinners, the, the special dinners that we do. Um, so it's, it's just a it's a great tour. You don't have to think about where are we going to stay or how are we going to get around. You know, we just we just make it so that people can come and have a great time, meet some really cool people, a bunch of other dog lovers that they can build a lifelong relationship with and get out and learn how to travel with their dogs. So in the future, if they want to go do it on their own, they can. And if they want to go do something else with us, they can do that as well. Mm -hmm. That's a great point, actually, because, you know, I always think if, if – I'm, I'm lucky I have either my husband or my daughter or both of them with me, you know, and we take the dogs out. Um, but if you take your dog out on your own, you know, I'm, I can find it, I find it sometimes quite daunting because you think down to the practicalities of down to where am I going to stop and go to the loo myself? 
and the, how will the dog be safe and things like that and you know when you're going on a longer journey as well sort of a longer holiday there are there are issues there but that's okay isn't it because if if somebody's if somebody's thinking well it's just me and the dog it sounds a bit daunting you you welcome lone travelers don't you yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to have, you know, singles and couples and it's, you know, whatever, whoever wants to come can come. Um, you know, people need to use the restroom or maybe they want to go inside of a visitor center that doesn't allow dogs. We'll split the group up and half the group will hold the other half of the group's dogs and we'll have other people there helping as well. There'll be myself uh, and another guide plus my wife uh claudia who's my business partner she's another another one of our guides so essentially i have three guides um and a videographer there with us so there'll be plenty of people to help out with the dogs with a lot of experience and it's it's great if people don't have a dog they can still join us on the trip we just want them to understand that it's focused on you know people and their dogs and so that's going to impact the things that we do, maybe how long things take, you know, because we will be making stops so the dogs can go to the restroom, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. But if, 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 if someone's thinking, they, you know, well, I'd love to, and yes, I don't have a dog. And, and I mean, it's a very sad time, for example, when you've lost your dog, your dog's died, and you think, well, I'd like to do this, and I'd like to get that doggy fixed. But you can, you can even cope with that, can't you, for people? Sure, absolutely. First of all, just coming on the trip and being around a bunch of other dogs is going to help a lot with that. And the other thing that we're doing, um, because all our dogs, we, you know, right now we have two, we had three, all our dogs are, I wouldn't say rescues because two of them attacked my truck, uh, ran out in front of my truck at different times in my life and I stopped and rescued them. Um, but, uh, you know, we're all about saving dogs and, and, you know, getting people together with what's the right dog. So what we've done is we've partnered with a couple of rescue organizations. And if people want to come on one of our tours, but they don't have a dog and they want to take a dog, we can get them a dog for the tour. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Because that's great for the person. It's great for the dog as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about it. If if, uh, you know, the ideal is if somebody's interested in doing that, we talk to them in advance. We figure out what is going to be the right type of dog, the right personality for them. We try to find the best fit for them. And, you know, they make a small donation to the rescue. Uh, and then, you know, ideally they, they decide that they really like this dog or if they don't, maybe somebody else on the trip falls in love with the dog and, and the dog finds its, its forever home. Yeah. Uh, Worst case scenario, the dog goes back to the rescue organization, which, you know, they're all they're all privately owned, non non kill, no kill rescues. Um, The dog goes back with a portfolio, some really cool pictures of him and some awesome places to share with the other dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and as you say, they've made the donation to the the shelter. So they're better off as well. I mean, it sounds brilliant. You've you've covered all the bases, David. You've you've got it sorted. Tell me a bit about the videographer. So do, you know, people, because obviously if if you're doing the activity, whatever it is, and you've got the dog as well, you can't always stop and take pictures or videos and whatever. But there's somebody there who's actually videoing it for them. Yes, we're going to have somebody on the tour uh, who will be doing photos and videos throughout the tour, uh, primarily for our use for media and, and uh, publicity. But we'll also share that with our guests because we want them to have great you know, memories of the trip and photos so that they can have those and share those with their friends and you know, use that to remember. Um, you know, after 27 years of doing this, my favorite thing to hear at the end of a trip is this was you know, the best tour, the best experience of my life. I still am in touch with people that were on my tours 27 years ago. We're still friends. And so to me, it's important uh, that people, you know, go home not only with a memory, but with a trigger for that memory so that they can look back on it fondly and share it with others. Yes. Yeah. And of course, you know, I, I often used to say when I, I had um, my Labrador buddy, it's about making memories. I'm hoping to have another dog maybe this year and, and make some more memories. But it is, isn't it? When you have a dog, their life is comparably much shorter than ours and so it, it is about getting out there and doing something special and making every day count and making memories and that's what people can do with you isn't it absolutely it's it's about making memories it's about getting in tune with your dog and their needs it's about learning to listen to the dogs um for me it's it's 
there, there's a very spiritual aspect to, to dogs and animals that are in our life. I think through my own experience, they've come to us for with specific lessons to teach us. Um, you know, I have one dog now. He's 15 years old. He struggles to get up off the floor. And yet once he's up, he jumps up like a puppy to grab that leash when it's time to go out. And, you know, it's his his whole lesson in life is really he's a clown. And it's all about, look, you got to remember it's all about having fun. And I'm going to keep reminding you of that every day and every minute of every day that I can. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's part of the joy of having a dog, isn't it? It's, love it. Perfect. Absolutely. Um, so tell me about the, you, you've got two dogs at the moment. So tell me more about them, David. So we've got Dozer, who is a, he'll be 15 next month. He's an Australian cattle dog. And, uh, he ran out in front of my truck one day when I was living in Taos, New Mexico. And, uh, I actually got out to yell at him and chase him away because, you know, dogs that bite tires tend to not survive all that mm, long. Yeah. And uh, tricky little guy, instead of running away, he ran around me and jumped into the front seat of my pickup truck. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, so he's been with me ever since, 13 years, almost 14 years now. Wow. So he so, chose you. He chose me, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then my other dog uh, is a golden collie mix and her name is Margie. And I found Margie. I was living in Panama in Central America. She ran out in front of my truck. It was about 10 o'clock at night. It was dark out. I had my then girlfriend, now wife on the phone and, uh, Margie ran out in front of me and I jumped out, slammed on the brakes, jumped out, grabbed her by the scruff of the neck and put her in the floorboard of the passenger side of the truck and she had no hair she was all mangy and covered with scabs she was about two months old and uh, took her home and my my wife immediately fell in love with her and she turned into just an absolutely gorgeous dog she's extremely smart uh and she's 10 years old now and um she's she's just an amazing, wonderful, fun dog to have. And she loves the water. She loves being on a stand-up paddleboard with me out on the river, paddling around or in the ocean. And, and she's just a, a, a blast. Yeah. Very yeah. inspiring. She's my wife's first dog. So it's very exciting for her. Even, even 10 years old now, my wife was sitting with her today and had a tear in her eye. And she said, you know, I just, I'm just so glad that you found her and she's in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lovely. lovely. And it's lovely that you share that and you, you get to spend that time with each other and the dogs and, and it's, you know, really smashing. I love that. And and do you think that your dogs, and, and obviously I, I, I believe this is true of all dogs, but do you think with your dogs that having that opportunity to be active and to be with you, you know, not having the sedentary life that a lot of our dogs, you know, have, because, you know, we have to go out and earn and, you know, work and earn money and to buy the dog food. But do you think the more time they can be active and with you, do you think that keeps them young and sort of keeps them energetic and on the ball? I do. I think a lot of it is just that uh, it's, it's just like us, right? The more sedentary we are, uh, the more out of shape we get, uh, both physically as well as mentally, um, you know, physical stimulation, you know, enhances and, and uh, blood flow enhances our, our mental abilities. And I think it's the same with the dogs and certainly they need it. Uh, I can tell just, you know, especially with Margie, there's, you know, after a few days of, if we're in a big push, like we are now, uh, promoting these upcoming tours, um, the more that uh, I'm inside working on stuff, I see the more antsy she gets. And <laughs> it's great because I've always said that uh, the dogs are kind of like a gauge for what I need. They yes. let me know. You know, it's almost like the, you know, the old canary in the coal mine kind of concept, right? Yeah, yeah. When when things are not good, the canary would, would let you know. Uh, and the dogs are the same. They let me know, hey, come on, we got to get out. We need to go for a walk. <laughs> Uh, we need to get to the park. We need to go for a hike. We need to get to the river. Um, my, my first dog, Max, that I got, 
I, when I brought him home from the pound, I had him for about three or four days and I went for a job interview and it was a second interview. It was quite a good job and they did offer it to me and I came home and I had accepted the job and it was going to be probably 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week. And, uh, Max had eaten some very important things in my apartment, things mm. that were important to me. And I was quite infuriated and I sat down to take a couple of deep breaths and all of a sudden I heard a very clear voice in my head and I looked up at him and he was staring at me and I said, okay, you're right. I don't want to be stuck inside all day anymore either. And, uh, ended up calling the gentleman back and actually telling him I changed my mind and turned down the job. And I, two weeks later, put Max on the back of my motorcycle and we took off on a year long, 20,000 mile trek around North America on a motorcycle. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing what our dogs lead us into, or sometimes give us the, you know, the courage to go, yeah, this is what I'm going to choose. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I think everybody in life struggles with that balance between what we need to do and for ourselves and what we need to do for our finances and to take care of our families and ourselves. So it's, it, it, it's finding balance and some people are better at it than others. But I think that having dogs, uh, helps with that in so many ways, whether it's communicating to us that, Hey, maybe it's time to hit the road or just reminding us on a daily basis, Hey, we need to get out and do some grounding and get a little bit of exercise. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Your your holidays sound wonderful, and certainly the peaceful pause opportunity coming up this year um, sounds really great, fantastic. Where can people find out more about you online? Absolutely, yes. Uh, so to find out more about the tour, the best place to go is our website. It's happytalestours.com forward slash southwest hyphen tours. So again, that's happy tales as in tale of a dog tales, tours.com forward slash Southwest hyphen tours. And they can take a look at the, uh, the, the, the tours. And then if they're interested, there's uh, buttons on the page that they can click on that will take them to the application process. They fill out the application and then we'll contact them and have a conversation and make sure that the tour is going to be a good fit for them and their dog and they are going to be a good fit for the tour. So we can make sure everybody's happy and safe. Um, they can also call us and our phone number in the U S is, uh, you know, the country code is the plus one. And then the, uh, telephone number is two, six, two, six K nine C A N I N E. Okie dokie. We will put the link and the phone number on the uh, Dogcast Radio site, along with the uh, the show notes and the and some lovely pictures you've sent me. So thank you very much. And um, David, I really hope that um, well the, the, this year and the future goes really well for you. Um, will you send me some pictures of the um, or even some video of the the tour, the Peaceful Pause tour, so that people you know who who can't come and be with you can you know catch up with it and, and see how it's gone. Absolutely, absolutely. Brilliant. We Thank always you. put stuff on our website as well. We also have a YouTube channel. If they just go on YouTube and Google Happy Tales Tours, um, you know, we, we have a Facebook page they can check out. Same thing, Happy Tales Tours and an Instagram link. So we're constantly putting stuff out there for people to check out and enjoy. And, uh, you know, we, we just, we just want to share it with everybody and get everybody inspired to get out there with their dog. Like I said, whether it's with us or without us, just get out there and, and build a better life together. We have all the links David mentioned on the Dogcast Radio site. And when you go to his Happy Tales Tours website, you can download a free ebook called Everything You Need to Know to Travel with Your Dog, the Road Trip Edition. Thanks to David for taking time to tell us all about the vacations he offers. And if you've discovered a genuinely dog-friendly dog holiday or venue, we'd love to know about it and share it with the whole Dogcast Radio family. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com Distraction toys channel dogs' instincts to dig, sniff or otherwise hunt out their own food and provide much-needed mental stimulation. 
And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio News. February means it's time for the most prestigious dog show in America, the Westminster Kennel Club Show in New York. And this year, the 143rd show, a seven-year-old wire-haired terrier won Best in Show. Interestingly, it's the 15th time that the breed has been top dog in the show, beating the second most frequent winner, the Scottish Terrier, by seven. In fact, Terriers have done extremely well at the show, with the winner coming from Terrier Group 46 times over the years. Amazingly, the show has never been won by that most popular of breeds in both the USA and the UK, the Labrador Retriever. The oldest dog ever to win was a 10-year-old Sussex Spaniel. The youngest was a nine-month-old Rough Collie. A smooth fox terrier called Warren Remedy won the show no less than three times, and six other dogs have won twice. But back to this year's winner, who's fittingly called King and is from Brazil. King had previously won his group in Crufts, and once he got through countless interviews and phone calls, King was heading back home to relax and run around in a field of grass. Sounds perfect. I bet he'll be throwing his head back and barking with happiness. Something that dogs in a French town have been banned from doing. Yes, you heard right. Mayor Jean-Pierre Estienne has banned dogs from barking in Fequières in northern France. Owners who fail to keep their dogs quiet will be fined for 68 euros. That's 60 pounds or 77 dollars. On first sight, this sounds over the top, doesn't it? I mean, dogs bark. But according to the mayor, the ban was sparked by an unbearable situation involving dogs barking day and night. The odd bark won't be punished but the law is aimed at persistent offenders and specifically forbids dogs from being left in enclosed areas without owners being nearby to stop prolonged or repeated barking. The move is also the result of a petition from villagers against one particular resident who has been approached repeatedly but refused to stop her dog's barking. Apparently this lady has several dogs who are driving the village mad, but the decree has been criticised by animal rights groups. We'd love to hear from you about this, especially if you're affected by the problem, or if you have a dog who won't stop barking. Now on to Bella, a dog who definitely had a good reason to bark out loud and clear. Poor Bella, a nine-year-old Springer Spaniel, fell into the River Yare in Norfolk, England. When she escaped from the house, she and owner Susan Grieg were visiting. Susan was horrified and searched for her dog, shouting. But there was no response from or sign of Bella, and so Susan returned home alone, broken-hearted. For two days, aware of sub-zero temperatures, Susan despaired of her dog, and when two days later the call came to say Bella had been found, Susan assumed they were referring to Bella's body, but amazingly, Bella was alive. She was not healthy, though, as her lungs had filled up with water. In fact, she was so close to death that the vet wondered if it would be kindest to euthanise Bella. But Susan felt her dog deserved a chance at life, having made it so far against the odds. It took several days nursing and convalescence, initially at the vets and then at home, before Bella was given the all-clear. We all worry about how we'll cope if and when our dog dies, but occasionally it's the dog who is left to mourn their human. When Cardiff City footballer Emiliano Sala died in a plane crash, it wasn't only his human family who mourned him. His sister posted a touching photo of his dog Nala sitting waiting at the front door with the caption, Nala is waiting for you too. Ah, we send love to Nala, and indeed all those grieving. It's not a subject any of us want to dwell on, but it is one that must be considered for the sake of our dogs. In episode 53 of Dogcast Radio, we fully discuss pet estate planning. And in episode 148, we consider what plans need to be put in place in case we die before our dogs. We have the story of a happy reunion now with the news that Joe Steenbeck, an Indiana veteran, will finally be able to adopt the dog he was paired with when stationed in Afghanistan. Joe was an army tactical explosive detector dog handler, and Tess was his bomb-sniffing partner. He's been trying for five years to adopt her, and at last the 11-year-old can live with him. Joe's hoping he can give Tess the retirement she deserves, and that she will help with his post-traumatic stress disorder. And finally, the story of Socks, a border collie who was run over and ran off to hide, and nobody could find him. This isn't sounding like a happy, and finally, story. Well, that's where Jamie Jewell, a volunteer for Drone Search and Rescue for Lost Dogs UK, comes into the story, because he deployed his drone, and within 20 minutes, Socks was found, curled up deep in the undergrowth, where people were unlikely to walk past. So without the drone, poor Socks could have just stayed in his hiding place. Yes, because he'd been there for two days, and his leg was broken, so he'd have been unlikely to venture out. Wow. Well done, Jamie Jewell and the search and rescue team. What heroes. See, it was a happy story to sign off with. Fair enough. Sign off then. See you next time.
Research indicates that the ideal dog toy should be soft, easily manipulable toys which can be chewed easily and or make a noise. I'm lucky enough to meet some fantastic trainers and obviously I'm always on the lookout for a great interviewee for Dogcast Radio. And when I met my next guest, I knew she was exactly that. Today I'm talking to Rachel Rogers. Hi, Rachel. Hiya. Hi. And thank you for taking time out of your day because you are a busy lady. You're the head coach of dog school for Shropshire and this is at Dog Dogs Trust's dog school. So you're a busy lady, aren't you? I am, yes. We see, on average, about 90 dogs a week at Dog School Shropshire, so it keeps us nice and busy. Yes, excellent. And, of course, those are all dogs now for whom life is better, for having seen you. So brilliant. Well, thank you. That's okay. Well, we we worked together. How I met Rachel was we worked on an article, and um, we worked with a a lovely little pug, didn't we? Sweet little pug. And um, She's adorable. Wasn't she gorgeous? Gorgeous. And and she really cooperated with you. She was, which of course she would do. You know your business, so she would. Um, But uh, having seen how how you know you responded to her and she responded to you and how great your methods are I thought right okay I'm going to pick your brains at some point so today's the day so we're going to talk about a couple of things let's start with snuffle mats I love snuffle mats maybe you've heard of them maybe you haven't Rachel what is a snuffle mat they are almost kind of a simple explanation a scruffy piece of material to hide treats in yes it's a simple way of putting it (laughs) So they are a really great way of kind of giving your dog an activity to keep them busy um, and just a different way of feeding them. Because actually feeding dogs out of a bowl is a bit boring. I always think if I had my dinner off the same plate in the same kitchen at the same time every single day, even if the food changed a bit, it would be quite boring. So it's much more exciting if we can give them different ways to kind of use some of their senses and sniff things out. And the snuffle mat's a really nice, easy way of doing that. Yes. Yeah. I know I came across a term recently. Uh, Jodie Forbes introduced me to it. And it's contra freeloading. Have I got that right? Have I remembered it right? Yes. 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 <laughs> and that, that's where the dog, it's much happier to sort of work for the food, isn't it? Yeah, there's been quite a lot of research that shows that, that even if they almost have it kind of as a free buffer and they could choose it, they'll go and interact with kind of a a toy of some description or a game that they have to get the Mm. the food out of instead. Yes. yeah. Well, I always think, you know, I feel, I mean, when I say I feel sorry for them, they have a great life in the main. But if they're bored, they can't think, oh, I'll just sit and do a Sudoku or read a novel or watch television, you know. And it's down to us to find ways to make life just that bit more interesting for them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think they are such intelligent animals. And as much as we kind of think of them as kind of put around the house as our best friend, four-legged best friend, and the highlight of the day to a lot of them probably is their walk. When we come home from work and we take them out, actually there are other things we can do to keep them entertained. Um, The term we use a lot is enrichment. Yes. So kind of encouraging them to have kind of the fullest, happiest life that they can do. So it's like mentally challenging them as well as physical activity. And actually, snuffle mats are great for dogs who maybe have had an injury or they're a bit older or just like the weather we had the other week. Yes. The horrible snow. It's not going to be suitable for everybody or it might not even be possible for everybody to take their dogs out so we can entertain them in other ways. Yes. Yeah. And of course, last year when it was so hot... You know, you, you're right, it's yeah. so cold at the moment. But when it's hot, some, particularly some breeds, you don't want to overstress them. So it's really useful then, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think they are so simple and also they're quite a cheap thing. So you can make them. I mean, you can buy a snuffle mat online and yeah, I think they're about £20, but you can make one. And actually, that's something um, we wrote a blog for on our dog school website. We've written a blog with like a step-by-step picture guide of how to do it. But if you've got kind of a couple of hours while you're watching a box set on TV, you can have one knocked up in no time. Just sit tying knots with bits of material and it's done. Yes. It's nice and easy. And I I imagine it's quite therapeutic. I'm very lazy and I I bought one that a friend had made. But I imagine it's quite (laughs) therapeutic to sit there. If you can't knit or sew or whatever, you can make a, a snuffle mat, can't you? Do you know, interestingly enough, I do knit and it was when I'd run out of stuff to knit that I started making snuffle mats in my spare time on the sofa at home. So there you go. They are yep. really nice and therapeutic <laughs> and you don't really need to concentrate. Once you've done the first few, 
kind of knots in the material, it's done. Then you just away, and it just keep building and building and building. Yeah, yeah. So, what's the best way to use a snuffle mat? You know, if we've got the idea, we've got our snuffle mat. You know, what's the best food to use, or how would you advise starting with a snuffle mat? I think. What to use on them really depends what you've made yours out of or what you've bought material-wise it to be made from. Most of them are kind of like your fleecy blanket material cut into strips. Mm. And they're on a lot of the time like rubber. I've seen some that are on foam. And they're not necessarily going to be the easiest for cleaning if you were to go and squirt kind of cheese or pate or like wet dog food on. Mm. That's going to be a little bit more difficult. So for me, the best kind of foods that we use are really small dry bits of food. Even just your dog's normal dry kibble biscuits that they would have in their dinner. Because they're nice and small, they can hide under the flaps of material quite well. And then they tend not to leave very much of a mess. So you'll be able to keep your snuffle mat cleaner for longer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to say that we had one, I think Buddy sort of just, we, we had his snuffle mat right towards the end of his life. So, and he was interested in it. Obviously he was a Labrador. He liked food. Now our mischief, uh, a German Spitz Klein, little, little dog, and she loves it. And she's like snuffling all over it and finding the bits of food. And she absolutely loves it. So is it something that sort of the vast majority of dogs are you know going to be able to use and enjoy using? Yeah, I think the important thing to remember when you introduce any of these enrichment devices are not to make it too difficult too soon. So although there's going to be all the different flaps and you can hide the food, really difficult for them to find. When you first use it, you want to set your dog up for success and make it quite nice and easy. Even have maybe bigger bits of treat or you know bits of cut up chicken or sausage and put them on the top so they are quite visible for the dog to kind of understand to begin with that, oh, nice food can be found on this funny coloured, funny shaped device that's appeared. Yeah. And when they get the hang of it, start putting the treats maybe smaller or deeper and more hidden under the flaps for them to find. One of the things that I do, I've got um, a pug cross and she's got quite a short nosed dog. So, you know, she's quite short nosed. So we've cut the material so it's a bit shorter for her. Mm, yeah. So that it's easier for her to snuffle out. Whereas my other dog is a, I don't know what he is. He's from Portugal. He's got a much longer snout and he's got much longer straps on his snuffle mat because it's easier for him to snuffle through and find them than it is for Maisie. So it's kind of bearing those little things in mind. And when you first introduce them, being with your dog so that you can kind of watch them. And if they are struggling, instead of letting them kind of build up this frustration, kind of help them out, maybe point out a couple of the bits so that they get the hang of it and yes. really start to enjoy having the snuffle mat as an activity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that idea of, of varying the length of the, the, the things, the, you know, the material. Because you're yeah. right, it's, it's about... As you say, the enrichment is about enriching their lives. It's making life better for them, not just making them, you know, making life hard and frustrating them, is it? Yeah, exactly. And it's a lot of the ideas that we have for enrichment can be made more complex. But just like with humans, if you went and tried a new activity, I don't know, tennis, I can't play tennis. <laughs> if I went to a tennis training session, the first one I went to was really hard and they were using all this terminology I didn't understand and they were throwing balls at me that were too high, too fast. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't enjoy it. Mm. So we start with a nice basic levels to get their interest and then make it more complex. And so they can start to use their brain a little bit more each time and it becomes more challenging for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess as well, the other thing we need to talk about is do, how how clean do we need to keep them? Because, you know, food bowls we need to wash and everything. With our snuffle mats, how often do we need to wash them? Or would you say, sort of, particularly if you're making one of them yourself, would you say just start again, you know, start again and make a new well, one? Yeah, so we've, with ours, because I've made them myself and I've tied them, one of the things that I can do really quite easily is actually untie it, any bits that I've gone maybe look a bit dirty or for whatever reason have ended up with wet food on can untie those and actually stick them in a pillowcase and put them through the washer. Yes. Or if you've just used dry food, one of the easiest, shake it out in the garden before, you, you know, you've tied it up. Or you could even vacuum them. Yes. If you've tied them on nice and securely, it's almost like the long pile kind of bathroom carpets people have. Just run the vacuum over it and it'll pick up all the excess crumbs and things. But if you've used dry food, they should be fine. Yes. 
Yeah. And <laughs> as well, if you've got a fairly dry mouth dog, I guess yeah. <laughs> it should be okay. They're going to vary. Bernardo this might need to clean it a bit more often. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm just thinking, but he would have drooled all over it had he really, you know, had he been in it at his prime when he got to them. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where the differences kind of come in. So there's other options that are quite similar to a snuffle mat, which might be better if you've got a slobbery dog, um, where they're almost like a rubber flat mat with indents in, mm. and you could smooth kind of your cheese or your, your peanut butter or something on that, and they're called licky mats, and they lick it out rather than snuffling. But you could even stick that in the dishwasher then, so you know that's going to get fully cleaned. Yes, yeah. And again, as you say, it's if your dog doesn't take to a snuffle mat, you know, there's other options that... Um, yeah, definitely. And, you know, really simply, at the, at the simplest, like I've, I've just, um, we had a, a nail varnish set for Christmas, just, you know, like a little gift set. And, um, it was, it was a cute little pyramid box. And I thought, ooh, I'm going to put a couple of treats in that and give it to Mischief. And it, I took the ribbon off it so she wouldn't choke on the ribbon or anything. And she really loved that. Just a little bit of challenge. And it didn't cost me anything. Gave me five minutes of peace, you know, and she was happy as Larry with it. Yeah, it's a bit like children, isn't it? They say you can buy them the best Christmas presents, but they'd rather play with the box. Yep. <laughs> and dogs are the same as well. They are a great use of your recycling. Yes. You know, you can keep all of your, your paper tubes for the inside of the toilet roll, cardboard boxes, plastic bottles even if we take the lids off and put their food in those, kind of get a big box, hide the little box inside with treats for them to dig up and knock over. And it's really good for the dogs who maybe do have that kind of urge and desire to dig. If we don't want them to dig in the garden, we can give them a nice, safe alternative in the house and keep your rose beds intact yep. for them to dig and rip things up. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't have any rose beds, but yep, <laughs> it does keep the dogs happy. So yeah, I like that. And you just, you've just got to accept that you get a little bit of shredded cardboard and then you sweep it up or vacuum it up. We've got hard floors. You sweep it up, you're done. And you've had, you know, yep. your dog's had hours of enjoyment out of it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Okay, so that's brilliant. We will put the link on to the um, blog about how people can make snuffle mats for themselves. That sounds yeah. brilliant. Okay, great. And obviously later we'll talk about the link um, that people can find out more about you anyway. Um, but we're going to move Thank on to a, another subject now because um, I noticed a post of yours um, about teeth and I made a little note to myself saying teeth and today I've had to say, Rachel, can you remember that blog, <laughs> that post you did about <laughs> teeth? And you, Luckily you remembered, your brain's working. Okay, so what do we, you know, what was your post? Because you can remember, what was the post about teeth? Yes. So I, before I worked with dogs many, many years ago, I actually used to work with marine mammals Mm. and they keep their teeth kind of, they get a lot of oils on from the fish that they eat. Um, And one of the things you have to do as a carer for that kind of animal is clean their teeth every day. Mm. And we train them to do it because obviously something like a sea lion, it's quite a difficult process if you need to brush its teeth to kind of try and just hold it still to do it. And it's not very enjoyable for the animal either. Mm. So I was thinking to myself when my lovely little dog tried to give me a kiss and she (laughs) had horrible breath. And I thought to myself, oh, I used to train the sea lions to have their teeth brushed, the dolphins to have their teeth brushed. Why can't I do the same principles and train my dog to have her teeth brushed? So that is what I've been working on. And that is probably the post you've seen is the very beginning stages of doing some training with Maisie to get her to be involved and cooperate for having her teeth being brushed. Yeah, yeah. Now, actually, as you as you talking to me, I, I do often say to, to Mischief, oh, bad breath and shameless. It's a bad combination. But, you know, occasionally <laughs> her breath isn't the sweetest and she's, you know, she's only young. So, yeah, it is something we need to get to grips with as well. We've got a toothbrush and we've got the toothpaste and everything. And then you think, well, I've got it. And then we haven't quite got around to training her with it. So... What's your advice? How do you get started? What do we need to do that you know to encourage the dog to work with us on this? Yeah, so it is, it is quite a slow process um, because there's a lot of different factors for it because we want the dog to be involved in the process and be happy to be there and kind of have, I always have with my dogs, the opportunity for them to not partake in the activity if they don't want to. Mm. So if at any point they decide they're not kind of, they don't want to do it, they can just get up and they walk away. That's fine. There's kind of, there's no punishment for that. Mm-hmm. I always want them to enjoy the training, even if it is for having their teeth brushed. So 
So we're building out really slowly. So with Maisie, I've started with a really simple kind of presenting her chin to me. Mm. So I've been using my hand almost like a flat palm for a target for her to come and kind of sit with her chin on. And we've been building up the length of time that she presents her chin to me in my hand. And then actually yesterday, we started working on an open mouth to get her to open her mouth, which is obviously going to be needed if I'm going to put a toothbrush in there. And that's a little bit more tricky and involves very good timing. Yes. Because (laughs) while she's got her chin resting on the palm of my hand, I've been lifting little bits of food up above her mouth. And when she opens her mouth slightly to go to take the treat, I have to mark that with her, her word, which means, yes, that's exactly what I want. And for her, it is just the word good. And then she gets the treat. But then I'm going to have to work on how long she holds her mouth open and then adding in the toothbrushing aspect, which, again, can be quite slow. And it's really important when we're training dogs for something as kind of difficult as toothbrush to kind of do it really slowly. But remember to only work on one aspect at a time. So it's been length of time of maybe having her head in the right place. Then it's opening her mouth for the right length of time. Then it's having the toothbrush near whilst the mouth is open. And then it'll be having the toothbrush on a tooth. And then we'll have to build up very gradually to the brushing. Yeah. And it could be that when I first put the toothbrush near her, that actually she moves her head away because that's, you know, it might need a little bit longer of her getting used to the toothbrush being around before we can start actually doing any brushing. So it's quite a slow, long process, but it'll be worthwhile if it means no more smelly breath and also much better kind of oral hygiene for her in a sense of less bacteria and much healthier teeth. Yes, yeah. And and hopefully, because I always think I love that feeling of working in harmony with your dog, you know, of being a team and we're trying to get the same thing done. And I hope that, you know, that Mischief feels the same, that she enjoys trying to to work out what I'm telling her to do and she you know she seems to she wags her tail and she'll she'll sort of nudge you and start going you know if it goes quiet she nudges you and like she's like should we do something <laughs> you can see her flicking her eyes yeah. And, yeah so hopefully if you get it right the dog enjoys it as well doesn't don't they yeah they do and I think you can see that from the way that she we've done a couple of really short sessions on it and then I came back a couple of days later and tried again and she threw her head into my hand so oh, enthusiastically to do it and I got over excited and gave her an amazing oh amazing well done and loads of treats because I just wasn't expecting it she'd gone so much further ahead in my training plan than I was expecting and I was so proud of her yeah so proud which is probably why I put the video up had a proud <laughs> dog mum moment yeah again we'll we'll put a link to the, to the video because I, I did see that and you you were saying sort of was that the one that you were saying about you it can be quite daunting to put a, a training video up as a you know a video up as a trainer because everybody yeah. sort of expects perfection but it's not about perfection it's about you aim to get it right but it's about look look what look what my dog's doing look we're having fun and we're building that bond yeah and I think that's the thing it is it is difficult when you do it as a job people expect you to have the most impeccably well-behaved dogs mm-hmm. and for me that isn't actually my priority I don't I don't compete with my dogs they're not you know these almost almost like a robot dog they're not like that they've mm. got their own individual characters they do things other people might class as naughty uh, Rico's favorite thing to do is to steal my other half socks um, <laughs> which we both find hilarious it yes. is no concern to us we just laugh every morning when Lee can't find his socks yeah so we you know I could I could train him with that we could teach him to pick something else up instead but actually it's of no harm to Rico it's of no harm to us we find it funny he enjoys ragging a sock and throwing it around the living room so we leave him to it yeah and I'm quite happy with that oh absolutely I always think the rod you make for your own back is the rod that you can stand you know that you the behaviors that you allow your dog to continue doing are the ones that you can tolerate and Somebody else might think, why on earth do you let them do that? And, you know, with my own dogs, I always used to think, you know, I don't have my own dog at the moment, but I mean, but when I had Buddy, um, you know, I used to think, well, some people wouldn't like some of the things that I let him do, but I could put up with them. That's okay. And you you work towards eliminating the behaviours that you can't live with. And then what you get left with is a dog that you can live with really happily and hopefully a dog that can live with you happily. Yeah, and I think that is one of the key things that in our classes we work on. So when when a dog comes to our training classes, there's six dogs in a class, but not all six dogs 
and owners are there to achieve the same goals. Mm. And one of the things that I pride myself on, and I know my staff do too, is making sure when they inquire, we find out exactly what they want to achieve. And we actually put that on our registers. We have kind of like two goals that that dog wants to achieve. And if by week five we haven't achieved that, then there's going to be training amongst us as a team. It's like, right, why haven't we achieved that? But we do. And we check in with the owner each week. Oh, you're looking at working on chewing and mouthing with your puppy. How are you getting on with that this week? And it's really individual to that dog because it is exactly that. Not everybody wants the same thing from their dog. Yes. And if they are a good kind of canine citizen out and about in you know when they're out in public that's the important thing yeah is that are we following the laws in terms of kind of when they're on leads in public places and safety and things like that that's important Mm. but what a dog does in your individual home if you let your dog on the sofa but other people don't it doesn't matter it's your dog your house and your kind of lifestyle as to whether or not you let them do that yeah yeah, absolutely. I can remember. I mean, that sounds that sounds a lovely, lovely class because I can remember the first class I went to with Buddy, and I I didn't know a lot. I don't know a lot now, but I don't know even less then. Um, and I went along, and he was in the class. He was coming to me, and they were trying to move me towards doing the um, you know, the the proper finish, going around the back and sitting to the side. And I'm thinking. But in the, in, in the real world, when I'm in the park and there's children kicking a ball and, you know, other dogs running around and lots of distractions, he won't come back. He's coming back here. So what is the value to me or, or him of doing this proper finish at the end when in, in the real world, I can't get the recall from him and I needed other things. So that's lovely that you actually work towards what the, what the owner wants. That's brilliant. Yeah, and I think it is much more about like life skills and mm. real life training because that kind of coming back, going round you and sitting nicely looks lovely, like you say, in an empty hall on a Saturday yes. when no one else is there, <laughs> but mm. isn't realistic in the park. And actually what that dog needs in terms of training is training with distractions. Yes. So having those five other puppies running around and still choosing to come back to you rather than his new puppy best friend, that's the important thing. And yeah. that's what we need to work on in classes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Where can people find out more about you online and about the classes? So it, we have at the minute 30 dog schools across the country. So all they need to do is just on kind of on the computer, type in Dogs Trust Dog School, and it'll take you to the kind of the whole of dog schools website. And what you can actually do is you can search for your nearest dog school. So you can put in your postcode or your town and it'll bring up the nearest one to you, which is fab because hopefully everyone will have one within a decent kind of distance for them to get to. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And I guess for people listening who who are not in the UK, there's still resources on the website that they can benefit from, aren't there? Yeah, definitely. And actually the best place to go for resources is on the Dogs Trust Dog School YouTube channel. So one of the things that are settled is one of the key content that we teach is about getting your dog to relax when you're busy. So so you can go out to a dog-friendly cafe or pub and the dog just lies down and relaxes beside you. When you're on a phone call at home, really important one, your dog is nice and quiet and relaxes next to you and you're not having to try and entertain them the whole time yes. and build confidence when they're being alone. So there's videos on things like that, which will actually show you how you could use a snuffle mat, for example, to help Mm. with that. And they're all on our YouTube channel. So you don't have to be in the UK to have a look at those. You can look at kind of how to get your dog to walk nicely on a lead, how to get your dog to come back to you like you were talking about. There's loads of short videos on there that break down the training in nice, easy steps. And it's all positive reinforcement based. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Because there are there are some people out there who are trainers okay i hope you can hear the air quotes on that trainers who don't use the best methods aren't they so we you do have to be careful but you know when you come to when you come to the dogs trust website you are getting the right advice aren't you yeah so it is the canine industry i think is a difficult one for anybody who's a member of the public because it isn't a regulated industry Mm. so whereas terms like a doctor or a dentist they they've got set qualifications they have to have to be able to call themselves that it isn't like that in the dog world so it's really important to make sure that you are going to the right areas for your resources somewhere like dogs trust where you know they've got the research and the team behind it or if you have a look there's 
there's various organisations that are the, can point you in the right direction. So things like the APDT, the Association of Pet Dog Trainers, all of the people who've been accredited by them use the same kind of methods as we do and have been through a really rigorous training process. So you know that you're getting the right help for your dog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I guess if you... If you do go to a class and you don't feel comfortable, and I went to, um, I moved from a, a, a couple of trainers, and a lot of what they said was useful and helpful and great, and there was just a couple of things that they said, and I was like, like the, for example, the first time I, they were trying to get me to do the formal uh, finish, and then another trainer, it, we were going along really nicely, and then he said, oh, if your dog comes to come out of the crate and you're not ready, slam the door in his face. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to. Do I mean, we're going back 15 years now. But mm. and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I, you know, that's not why I've had a dog. I don't want to slam the crate door in his face. And like, if, if there's something you're not comfortable with, just go to another trainer. Do you think? I think so, because even if you've never worked with dogs and you've never had that kind of training, if it makes you uncomfortable and you think your dog looks uncomfortable, maybe they look scared or worried or anxious, then it isn't the right place for them to be. And you need to take them to someone where it is something the dog enjoys doing and you enjoy doing. Because if you're enjoying it and your dog's enjoying it, the training is going to be much more worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And something we haven't said for a while, but something that was sort of said to me a long time ago was, go to the first training class, you know, ask the trainer, can I just come and watch, first of all? Yeah, and they should let you come along. Yes. Because yeah. if, for most people, they're going to be comfortable having you watch. And if they can't, for whatever reason, maybe they're working with a dog and it isn't suitable for whatever they're training to have an extra person in there, they'll have resources they can send you or there'll be reviews online, you know, that you can read other people's experiences and see kind of genuine posts online of mm. those classes for you to kind of judge and decide whether or not it's suitable for you. Yeah, yeah. Before you even expose your dog to them. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Rachel, thank you ever so much. Excellent advice. And and as you mentioned about, you know, keeping your dog occupied while you're on the phone, we haven't had any barking. How impressive is that? Uh, it's quite good because it is my Tuesday dinner time. So I'm yes. surprised they've not come to drop me a little hint. Uh -huh. uh, so they must be entertained elsewhere yes. with a snuffle mat or a Kong or something. I'm sure my other half's got them busy. Absolutely. Well, mis mischief's in another room here. We've uh, the, Sometimes she chooses to go in the crate and she just lies there beautifully. And then other days... It's quite clear, you know, that she's not going to play ball today or she wants to play ball rather, you know, and she doesn't want to sit there while I'm on the phone. So, yes, she's in another room today. So I've cheated a bit, but there you go. <laughs> um, thank you ever so much. We'll put all the relevant links on and um, thank you. Have a great day. Thanks very much. All the links Rachel mentioned are on the Dogcast Radio site, including one to Dog School Shropshire, where Rachel is the head coach. I love her methods and her energy around dogs. A big thank you to her for talking to me and sharing all that great advice. If you follow the directions on Dog School Shropshire's blog and make your own snuffle mat, I'd love to see your photos or video of it entertaining your dog. Mischief certainly loves hers. That's all for this time. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What do you do if your dog chews a dictionary? Take the words out of his mouth.